0: We are in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11. It seems very technical, some of the things that Paul talks about here. I really meditated on it quite a while just to get an image of uh, what we're working on here. But let's begin to to read Ephesians 2, verse 11. Therefore remember that you once Gentiles in the flesh who are called uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision made in the flesh by hands. So, Remember that you, people that he's writing to here, majority of them were once Gentiles. In the flesh they were Gentiles, who are called uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision made by the flesh by hands. What Paul is identifying here is something that we very often see, even in the current day and all through history we've seen this. You will find that one group will identify other people by a single identifying factor. That is not how God identifies us, and those who follow Him shouldn't identify people either in that way. But here's here's what they're doing: those who are called the circumcision, and of course that would be the Jews, the Jews that would follow the law and would be circumcised on the eight, on the eighth day. Those that were of the circumcision would call those who were not the uncircumcised. They didn't care about anything else about them. They didn't care about their standing in society. They didn't care about their economic status. They didn't care about their race. They didn't care about their smarts. There was nothing else they cared about. All they focused on was that. And still today you will see this same attitude go on and that people try and focus things down to one issue and judge people on that. Now, we have the fun ways that we do it. If you are in a, at a sports game, you are identified by one factor. Are you for my team or are you for the other team? Nothing else matters. I may like you otherwise, but if you are wearing a Pittsburgh Steelers shirt or a Dallas Cowboys shirt, you are now the enemy. No other factor is important. <laughs> Maybe after the game... We might be able to get along a little bit, but during the game, only one factor. That's the same kind of attitude that is here, and we, of course, see this in in society. This is not of God. This is not how God judges people. This is not how God's people should judge people. None of this should be going on, but Satan loves to do it. He loves to get people to focus in on one thing, whether that thing would be race, whether that thing would be economic status whether that thing would be went to college or didn't go to college, whether that thing would be part of this sorority or this uh, whatever group it might be. All that matters is one single factor. Any time you see it in people, in groups, wherever, no, it is not of God. If you are going to be a follower of God, get that out. Do not be single-issued. But there, you will see a lot of pressure right now not only we have a lot of pressure in, in some areas, but you, of course, have the, the pressure of are you vaccinated or are you not? And you single issue. <laughs> we don't care about anything else. We don't care about your reasons for doing one way or the other. All that we focus on is did you get this done? And so it's single issue again. God is not in that. We know who is. And Paul is fighting that same thing here 2,000 years ago. So it's nothing new. It has come about before <clears throat> now, it is the problem was not what people identified us by. It is how our choice identified us as those without Christ. This is where he's he, he goes on and says that in the next verse anyway, I should say. Let's read it all again and go through 12. Therefore, remember that you once Gentiles in the flesh who were called uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision made in the flesh by hands that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. The only problem that Paul saw is, are you with or without Christ? Now, he's not going to make a judgment and banish those who who don't fit the description that he wants. He wants them to be of Christ, but if they're not, he doesn't banish them. He's just, he wants them to know, you need to be of those that are of Christ. The choice is yours. You can be one who's in Christ or you can be one who's not. You are free to choose, but there are benefits for being in and among those that are of Christ. That at the time, you were without Christ. Now at the time, obviously, that insinuates that now, that is not that time. They are of Christ now. But when they were without Christ, they were alienated from the Commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the common the covenants of promise. They were they were aliens from the Commonwealth of Israel. The Commonwealth of Israel is is not Israel as a nation, is not Israel as the circumcised, it is Israel as the saved. That is what he's looking at here. I think I put that in your in your outline. They were aliens of the commonwealth of Israel. This is the saved portion of Israel. All Israel is not the commonwealth. What Paul is looking at is the commonwealth here of Israel is those people that are saved, those people who received the Messiah, those people who did not reject the Messiah, regardless of their circumcision status, did they receive Jesus Christ as their Savior? That's what is important. He said, now, it used to be that you were aliens aliens to this part of Israel. Israel. There was a time, but you changed that. So, at the time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers from the covenants of promise. Notice the covenants there is plural. We're going to look into the covenants that are there, that he is referring to. And he still wants them to be familiar and be a part of these covenants. So don't think that just because they're in the Old Testament that they have no bearing. Well, we'll get into them here in just a minute. Having no hope and without God in the world. If we are going to be alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, if we are going to be in a place to where the the, the blessings of Israel do not come to us, we are going to be without hope in this world without proper hope, without biblical hope. And that's what we have to make sure that we, we take care of. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of, of Christ. They were once far off, way out. You are either far off or you are in. <laughs> that's about, there's no in-between on here. That's where it was going to be. So you were once you once were Gentiles in the flesh. What he's saying here. Let me go back and, and read that part. Well, go back up to 11. Therefore, remember that you, once Gentiles in the flesh, once Gentiles in the flesh, whether or not you were a Jew, made no difference. You are a Gentile in the flesh if, Jew or non-Jew, you did not receive Jesus Christ. Then you would be a Gentile, as Paul is writing it here, you would be a Gentile in the flesh. What the Jews were doing is solely focusing on a physical aspect and making a judgment on people that way. Paul is saying you've got to get out of that. You've got to get into the spiritual aspect of it. What God is looking at is spiritual, not physical. And you may think that you're born of Abraham's seed, but if you do not receive Jesus Christ, if you are not of Christ, then you are not part of the commonwealth of Israel. You're not part of where you need to be. So you were once for Gentiles in the flesh, but they were called that by the uncircumcised. Or I'm sorry, they were, they were called uncircumcised by the circumcised. It didn't say that the uncircumcised were calling anybody any names. It said that the circumcised were doing the one doing the name calling. I don't think that the uncircumcised in the flesh really cared too much about it at all. But... But this one did and this is often the way that it is with these things you have one side that makes it the focus and the other side really doesn't care because right now your big thing is you know the people that are vaccinated are pointing fingers at all the people that are not vaccinated the people that are not vaccinated say you can do whatever you want care." <laughs> okay. so it's usually always in these situations that one side is pointing the finger at the other the other side is not trying to point the finger back here in this particular kid case it was the circumcised that were doing the finger pointing. And the uncircumcised said, look, do what you want. <laughs> they weren't, they weren't going to get in there. But Satan was, uh, was stirring this up. Here's a little note. It seemed that Satan in the Old Testament learned something at the Tower of Babel. He learned that if you divide people, they will go nowhere as long as they stay divided. It may be that he was inspiring them to build this tower. It may be he was inspiring them to do things against God. But when he saw how when they became divided, everything that they would build, everything that they would go after, was lost. And it seems like he added this into his repertoire. If I divide people, they won't go anywhere. As long as they stay divided, they won't go anywhere. And he still does that even to today. So we have to be careful that we don't let him inspire division. As we were spending some time in a few weeks ago, there are some things that you need to be immovable on and some things that you do not need to be so so set in. And we spent time on that before. If you weren't around for that or forgot where it is, let me know. So you were without Christ, aliens of the commonwealth of Israel, that is the saved portion of Israel, having no hope and without God in the world. This is the thing that gives us hope. Any other hope will not generate the things that we need. So he's going to try and get them to focus on divisions. This will separate them from the group where they need to be. The people that are are Jewish and focused on circumcision are pushing other people away from the things of the Word, and that's not going not to help them. I did make this note. I don't think I got it into yours. The more attention that we allow division to be in our life, the less we will resist it. The more attention you allow division to be given in your life, the more I focus on it. The more I focus on these dividing things then the less I will be able to resist it. And there's a whole lot of Christians that don't resist this at all. And they just fall right into, in line with division. The wrong kind of division. So, verse 12 again, that at that time you were without Christ being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise. Strangers from the covenants of promise. There are several types of covenants in the Bible. I gave you four here. The first covenant we are well aware of is the Abrahamic covenant or the seed of Abraham. Now, my wife was uh, looking over some things and she called me in to, to show me something. Apparently, there's a group out there or some people who try to teach a covenant before the Abraham, Abrahamic, or I'm sorry, beside the ones we're getting into, that they, they preach a covenant with Israel in Egypt that when Passover was going on, because blood was involved, they got confused, and they began to see that as a covenant. That is not a covenant. That was an act of obedience. That act of obedience would prevent the devourer from coming onto their house. Do not buy into that being a covenant. God never referred to it as a covenant. He didn't have them do this on a regular basis. He had them do the Passover as an aspect of forgiveness. And looking forward to what was to come. But that Passover that went on with the blood on the doors, that was not a covenant. You find a place in Scripture where it refers to it. Whereas these covenants are referred to in places in Scripture as being covenants. And God brings attention to it. So the first thing we have is the Abrahamic covenant, the seed of Abraham. In Genesis 32 and 12, For you said, I will surely treat you well. And make your descendants as the sand of the sea, which cannot be numbered for multitude. So first off, we see that there are two races of people under Abraham. and may not be the two that you're thinking of. There are two races of people. The first is the natural race. When you see in the Bible, numbered as the sand of the sea, what he is referring to is the things that are of the earth, which would be Abraham's natural seed. These are the people that would be born to Abraham's house. Is it not true that the Jewish people were numbered in, in millions? They were greatly multiplied. And if you count all of those uh, descendants all through history, well, that's even bigger. It's a huge number of, of people who were able to trace back, yes, we were born of Abraham. Abraham was our father. That is the natural race. They are numbered as the sand of the sea. But Genesis 22, and verse 15, And the angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven. Actually, we're going through 18. I didn't give you the rest of that, Daryl. I can just read it up here, though. And the angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven a second time, saying... By myself I have sworn, declares the Lord, that because you have done this and have not withheld your only son, I will surely bless you and I will multiply your descendants like the stars of the sky and the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will possess the gates of their enemies and through your offspring all nations of the earth will be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. Here in this verse we have both groups mentioned. Those that are numbered as the stars of the sky and those that are of the sand of the, of the seashore. Mm-hmm. There's also a, another one that will come into play, and that is the dust of the earth. The dust of the earth and the sand of the seashore both are on the earth, but the other one is not. Because in Abraham, there are two races of people. The first is the natural race, those who are naturally born Jews. They came of the descendants of the Jewish people. That is the sand of the seashore. That is the dust of the earth. But the second group is the spiritual offspring. They are numbered as the stars of heaven. It is a spiritual based. It is a heavenly based one. They are not born flesh and blood of Abraham but because of their belief in the God of Abraham and blessed as a de- they are blessed as the descendants of his. So, Jesus even taught about this. Those that are not born of Abraham are Abraham's seed. And, of course, Paul talked uh, numerous places about this. Let's just go over. Well, we'll go over those in just a little bit. And we can finish off the rest of these covenants here. So we have the Abrahamic covenant. The second one is the Palestinian covenant. We see this in Genesis 13, 14 through 16. This is the promised land or the land of the Canaanites. And the Lord said to Abram, after Lot had separated from him, lift up your eyes now and look from the place where you are, northward, southward, eastward, and westward. For all the land which you see I give to you and, to, and your descendants forever. And I will make your descendants as the dust of the earth, so that if a man could number the dust of the earth, then your descendants also could be numbered. Now the people that would inherit the land in the beginning are those that were Jews, those that were physically Jews. Later on, it would become also the spiritual ones. But in the beginning, it was just going to be the, the, uh, those that were physically born to Abraham. The third covenant is the Davidic covenant. This is the promised king or the Messiah that was to come. I'm not going to read over it, but Second Samuel 7 has that where God told him you will always have a king on the throne the promise was going to be Messiah would come through David. The, the Messiah would have the right to the, the kingship because of his descendants being a descendant of David. And Jesus Christ, when he was born, was not only a descendant of David on Joseph's side, he was a descendant of David on Mary's side. He was descended descendant on both sides. That is uh, shown in the genealogies. One of the reasons that we get all those boring genealogies is is just for those kind of things so that we know that that this, he had the right to be in the Davidic line. So that's the Davidic covenant. And then the new covenant in Ezekiel eleven seventeen through 20. Therefore say, Thus says the Lord God, I will gather you from the peoples, assemble you from the countries where you have been scattered, and I will give you the land of Israel. And they will go there, and they will take away all its detestable things and all the abominations from there. Then I will give them one heart, and I will put a new spirit within them, and take the stony heart out of their flesh and give them a heart of flesh that they may walk in my statutes and keep my judgments and do them and they shall be my people and I will be their God. This is speaking of the new covenant that would be to come that he was going to change the heart that they had, Ezekiel thirty six twenty three through 30. And I will sanctify my great name which has been profaned among the nations which you have profaned in their midst and the nations shall know that I am the Lord says the Lord God. Which or when I am hallowed in you before their eyes, for I will take you from among the nations, gather you out of all the countries, and bring you into your own land. It is remarkable that Israel was able to remain identified in all the scattering that was done, that God could gather them there. They all knew that they, well, I am a Jew. They may be in different countries, but they knew I am of Jewish descent. That does not happen. I don't know that it's happened much at all. Verse 25, Then I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean. I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from all your idols, and I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. And I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh, and I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes, and you will keep my judgments and do them. Then you shall dwell in the land that I gave to your fathers, and you shall be my people, and I will be your God. I will deliver you from all your uncleanness. I will call for the grain and multiply it and bring no famine upon you and I will multiply the fruit of your trees and the increase of your fields so that you need never again bear the reproach of famine among the nations. Now, the land of Israel, when Israel was kicked out, became a barren land. It was not a land that anyone desired, and the uh, Uh, People that were on it have been referred to as the Palestinians. Very few were there and no one had a desire to take the land because it produced nothing. But when Israel was given the land and they took possession of it, they turned it into a very productive area. And so once again, it is is one of the big food producers in that region. Now that it's producing something, everyone wants it. That's why so much attention is, is given to that. And so many people want what is there because uh, they can grow stuff. Now, you get Israel out of there again, they don't believe the word of God, but you get Israel out of there again and that won't be as productive as it was. Now, we are not to be strangers to the covenant. That's what Paul said in Ephesians. We are not to be strangers to the covenants, plural. In the Abrahamic covenant, Galatians 3 in verse 29 reads, And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. So it doesn't seem like that covenant needs to go away. He's bringing that around again in the book of Galatians, teaching it to them. You are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. There's other places you can go to for this too, but we're just uh, giving you an idea of where it is. You can always look these things up in the scriptures. The Palestinian covenant in Revelation chapter 20 and verse 6, blessed and holy is he who has part in the first resurrection. Over such the second death has no power. But they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. Second Timothy 2 and 12, If we endure, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he will deny us. Where is Christ going to reign from in the millennial kingdom? Jerusalem, which is in Palestine. So, even though we are New Testament, we come under the second covenant, the Palestinian covenant. The third one, the Davidic one, for Jesus is our king. Is Jesus not our king? We may not be of Jewish descent, but Jesus is still our king. We have made him our king, so we come under the third covenant as well. And, also, we, in the New Covenant, we... We get brought right into that. Paul teaches how much in the, Old, in the New Testament, how much does Paul teach about us being brought in and being given a new heart, being changed, and the Spirit of God reigning in us. Then not only is it available to those who are the circumcision, it is also available to the Gentiles. And the book of Acts has how many of the Gentiles, nations? We were among the Gentiles, and we prayed for them, and they received the Spirit of God just like we did. And they just, Well, who can we Who are we to argue? And so that same new covenant was available for those who were not Jews there. So all four of these covenants have a place in the life of the Gentiles who have made Christ their ruler, who have made Christ their king. Verse 14, for he himself is our peace, who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation. He himself, that's Jesus, is our peace. He has made both one. He has made God and man one and has broken down the middle wall of separation. If Jesus Christ could break the separation that was between God and man, how much more should we be able to break the separation of divisions that the devil tries to put up in our way? Jesus Christ, his ministry was to break that separation, that wall of separation down between man and and God. Our, our role in this world is to break down those separations that the enemy would try and set up. Not instill them and not push for them. We are to take after that ministry. That was the ministry of Jesus. We are to do the ministry of Jesus down here. We do the ministry of Jesus in healing. We do the ministry of Jesus in restoration and bringing people to Christ. And we should also be doing the ministry of Jesus in breaking down the wall of separation. Verse 15, having abolished in his flesh the enmity that is the law of the commandments contained in ordinances so as to create in himself one new man from the two, thus making peace, and that he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross, thereby putting to death the enmity. And he came and preached peace to you who were afar off and to those who were near. So there's Really, two places to be. You were either far off or you're here. That's it. He came to preach peace to you who were afar off that you could come instead of being far off and not having that peace. You could be brought in and made one with Him. For through Him we both have access by one spirit to the Father. Through Him we both have access by one spirit to the father it doesn't matter whether you are born of abraham it doesn't matter if you were not born of abraham what matters is are you in christ because he can take one who was born of abraham and he can take one who was not born of abraham and make them one with god now if god can do that who were they to despise those who were not born of abraham And why would anyone have to feel despised and therefore I had to become like a Jew? Galatians deals more with that, of course, than Ephesians does. Now the barrier was between all men and God. There were no divisions. It was all people. When he says there was a division between man and God, he didn't say, well, there was this kind of a division between these these people and another kind of division between these people. There was no divisions. It was man. You're all divided from God. That's it. Now we divide them. Well, if you guys are worse sinners than these ones. And you guys do this instead of that. And, but that's not what happens here. So, so, Jesus abolished it. In other words, he wiped it out. He didn't bridge it over. He didn't build a bridge to go over the barrier. He knocked the barrier out. He just took it away. Now he fulfilled the law. We know from the word of God he he was one who came and fulfilled the law. He did not destroy it. Matthew 5:17 says, "Do not think that I came to destroy the law or the prophets. I did not come to destroy but to fulfill." He abolished the barrier. He does not abolish the law. He fulfills the law. The law is not the barrier. The law points out what the barrier is. Galatians 3.24, Therefore the law was our tutor to bring us to Christ that we might be justified by faith. The law was our tutor. It doesn't need to be abolished nor destroyed. What it needs to be is fulfilled. It was our tutor. It was the one that taught us about God. It was the one that taught us what God doesn't want so that we could see there's a gap here. I need to get past this. And Jesus Christ was the way to do it. But after faith has come, we are no longer under a tutor, verse 25 said in Galatians. So just as we see that uh, in, the, in the seasons, God gave us the seasons, and summer does not destroy spring. It fulfills it. Spring is a time for new things to be growing, and summer is a time that develops all the things that started in the spring. Fall doesn't abolish the summer. Fall fulfills it. Because the harvest of the summer comes in the fall. And then winter comes and comes in and starts the whole process over again. Sets the stage for the spring. So that when this warm spring air comes, the, the seeds all come up. They all know to come up at the right time. Because winter has set them on the that. So each season fulfills the other. Jesus didn't abolish. He fulfilled so he says reconcile both Jew and Gentile. So there were the Jews and the Gentiles and especially the people, the Pauls right now, that's how they're looking at it. Other people that in that day, they looked at it other ways. Some of them, they looked at, at uh, Romans. There are Romans and there are non-Romans. And that's how they looked at it. God never looked at it that way, but there are some people who would do that. There were other people who would, who would look at Greeks and, and non-Greeks. Uh, that they didn't, they didn't care what you were. If you were not a Greek, then you were a non-Greek. The, to them, their Greeks were the most important. Among the Greeks, there were five divisions. And each one thought their division was the best. And uh, when Alexander came up, he had a fun time trying to unite all those divisions so that they would go out as one army. And he was able to do it. But that had been a struggle for the Greek nation up until then because uh, each one saw themselves as superior to the other for whatever reasons they all had their specialties and Alexander was able to bring them all together with that verse 19 now therefore you are no longer strangers and foreigners but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God <clears throat> you are no longer strangers In foreigners. You once were strangers, and you once were foreigners, but no longer. Christ has abolished that. You are fellow citizens, he says, with the saints and the members of the household of God. Having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being chief cornerstone, in whom the whole building, being joined together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also, being built together for a dwelling place of God and the Spirit, so we're all part of the household of God. Amen. Jesus Christ has put us all in that same household. And he said, look, if I have done these things to abolish these great divisions, this, this great barrier that was there, how much more should we? And He's what he's focusing on here is the divisions that were of the day. Circumcision, uncircumcision. That's not so much of a, of a big deal. There's a lot of Jewish people who don't, do not even practice that anymore. So that issue is not a dividing issue the way it was for them. But there's other dividing issues. And in the house of God, you will find people who say, well, you're not this way, and you're not that way, and you're not doing this. And no, we can put, some, put aside some of those things. The main thing that we need to make sure we agree on is that Jesus Christ is the way. If they're not going to agree that Jesus Christ is in the way, the Word of God teaches us, hey, they're not even, they're not even in the family. They're not even serving the, the, the right gospel. That's a sign right there that that's a false brethren. That's a false doctrine. That's a false teacher. That's a false prophet, whatever it might be. We need to accept that Jesus Christ is Lord. That's the main thing. I've told you the story before. Uh, one of my uh, best debate buddies in college, a man by the name of Elliot, and uh, he was Lutheran and Lutheran and uh, full gospel people, we're on opposite sides of just about everything. We're on opposite sides on how you have church. We're on opposite sides of the songs you sing in church. We're on opposite sides of the order of church. We're the opposite sides of the type of confessions we have in church. We're on opposite sides of what we call worship. (laughs) We're on opposite sides of what we call communion. It's, It's very different. There's a there's a there's a doctrinal difference between the two churches that uh, can be very separating, and the list keeps going on. I mean, the gifts of the spirit, that's a dividing issue. Uh, healing, that was a dividing issue. We had so many dividing issues, and we had fun at uh, at college. We would sit at the tables, and we would have debates and, uh, about scripture. And he used scripture, I used scripture, and we'd go back and forth. No one else would enter in. No one else would enter. They'd just sit there and they'd just watch us. And we would have these these great debates. And they would go on throughout the whole meal and sometimes uh, past the meal. And, and we'd just keep on going. But we never stopped being friends. Never stopped being friendly. Never became rude to each other. Not even a single time. Even during the, the main part of the debate, we, we always treated each other with respect and one time he came up to me and he said, "He said, Steve, I realize, because he was a student of the Word, he was in my Greek class too, <laughs> and uh, he he had a love for the language like I did. And he came to me one time and he said, Steve, I realize that our denomination has a lot of problems with the things they believe; they're not scriptural. But he said, I identify the most with this, with this denomination. Well, I don't know," I said, hey, "That's." that's great. I said, I love chatting with you because you don't just throw out tradition, you go after the word. And we, we, the whole time we were in college together, we, we just loved, loved chatting with each other and talking with each other and, and uh, sharpening each other. But you see, it never became a divided issue. We never saw each other as anything but brethren. And uh, no one who saw us ever thought we were anything but friends never saw us as as any kind of enemies. Uh, We never portrayed it. And you can do this in in the body of Christ. And what he's saying is you should. This is one household. And in this household, we all have different functions and we all have different things that we need to do. So you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Don't ever forget that you're a member of the household of God. Other people are going to be different from you. They're going to be members of the household of God. Don't look at them. Don't put them down for how they are. We have been built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. What he's talking about here is we have been built on the foundation of the apostles. That is the new covenant. And we have been built on the foundation of the prophets. That is the old. But everything comes together. In whom the whole building being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. It isn't already, he says, it grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. So be built together. Don't look at all the differences. Don't look at all the things that are there. I put this in your outline for you. Make sure you get it. If we live with a divisional mind we will not walk in a covenant mind. If I keep thinking division, I will not be able to think covenant. And the enemy knows this. And the enemy is going to constantly try and get us to focus on divisions. What, we, what another person does that is different. What another person does that is not the same. And they get us to be inside. The enemy tries to stir up trouble. Well, they don't worship this way. Well, they don't believe this way. And we, pers- we hang on. No, I, I've got to have this this part. If you don't believe in Jesus as the healer, we have no fellowship. Well, then how are they ever going to learn anything different if I, if I won't have any fellowship with them? Find areas that you can have fellowship on. And what happens is, if I can fellowship On areas that we agree on, then I build a relationship with them so that they can say, "You know what? You knew some things on this. Maybe you know some other things that I don't know." But if we just keep coming after the division, if we keep coming after what is a separation, and keep pointing at that, "You got to change. You got to change. You got look at what the word says here," and beating them over the head with the word, they're not going to be in a place where they're going to receive anything from us because we're not viewing them as someone in the household. Or viewing as someone outside the household, and until they get this right, they can't be in the household. And that's not the the way that Paul says we ought to be going. Gotta make sure that we we change this. God was never concerned with physical differences between Jew and Gentile. God is only concerned of the spiritual ones. He does not care. What kind of physical differences came in? Does not care about the physical difference of race. Certainly doesn't care about the physical difference of skin color. Does not care whether they are tall. Does not care whether they are short. Does not care about the language for which they speak. He cares about zero physical differences. He cares about spiritual ones. If we only focus on physical differences, we are not having the mind of Christ. We are having the mind of another. And we will never have the unity that God expects. And unity does not mean we all agree. That's not unity. If you look at a, got some football fans I, I know. If you look at a football team, when they go out and they run that play, you've got 11 guys who are all running the same play. It doesn't mean they all agreed. It doesn't mean that's the play that they all wanted to run. I'm sure that one person over here said, I I wanted to play that had me getting the ball. (laughs) I wanted to play that was going to go for this. Instead of going for a play that's going for this, I wanted a pass play. I wanted a run play. But when they all line up, they all go after and they do the same thing. That's the only way the play works. If they each do their own thing, the play falls apart fast. And we have to do the same thing in the body of Christ. Stop focusing so much on the differences. Oh, there's differences. And it doesn't mean I have to ignore them. It just means I don't have to focus on them. There's going to be people out there and they have church different than we do. They believe different. They they don't come into all the knowledge that that we have. And maybe they have some knowledge that we don't have. And uh, when we were down there at Raymond, we were going to school. They had a lot of different denominations. And I don't know how many different denominations had what at that point was called a megachurch. But they had a lot of them. And what Raymond did when they wanted to teach us about bus ministry was they went out and got the best and biggest bus ministry in the city. Happened to be a Baptist church. And they brought them in to teach at RaMA about bus ministry. And what was interesting was the people from the Baptist church could come in to Ramah, teach on it, and go home and tell their congregation, we were over at Ramah teaching. And it wasn't a problem. Not every place you can go, that would happen. But there was a... that was able. Because their idea was, if a church excels in something, get what they got. Get how they went. I think that particular church. I can't think of the name of it now. I believe they went from two buses to 40 buses in a matter of two years. <laughs> I mean, you know something about bus ministry if you go from two buses to 40 buses in a matter of two years. That was some kind of a some kind of a growth thing there. They uh, they really went after it. The less we focus on physical differences, not 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 noticing, just not focusing. the less we will walk in the the mind of God. If I keep focusing on physical differences, I'm going to have the mindset of the one who wants me to have that mindset. And I'm going to walk that way. If you want to get your life to where you are walking mindful of the things of God, then you've got to be willing to pick up the mind of God on all these other things. And if I keep looking at people with the inspiration of evil, with the inspiration of Satan, with the inspiration of division, if I keep looking at people that way, then when the mind of Christ comes along, I won't recognize it and I won't focus on it. And I'll be asking God, God, I want to have the mind of God. I want to have the mind of Christ. I want to be mindful of the things of you. And God says, until you drop these other things and get them out of your life, you will not be mindful of these things. I, I, I don't watch any football and this year but I did hear that I, I think it was this past Sunday that uh, some particular player uh, Antonio Brown yep I've heard that name before. <laughs> uh, he was acting up and he decided that on the, uh, the sidelines he took off his shoulder pads and his uniform and he walked off the field in the middle of the game. <laughs> now he's had shenanigans before. But apparently, and I don't know what it was, something wasn't going the way that Antonio Brown wanted it to go. And so he decided to leave. And the coach, um, Arians, Bruce Arians, uh, the coach said, well, he's, they asked him about it after the game. Well, he's no longer part of our team. I was it. <laughs> There's nothing more to comment about. He's no longer part of the team. And as far as I know, he's no longer part of the team. <laughs> That's just it. You see, he had a division mentality. I want to do things my way. And so he was just divided out. I cannot allow that division mentality to come up. We can see it with someone like an Antonio Brown, or when that kind of a thing comes, whether you're a football player or not, if you got hold of the story, you could see, that's wrong. That is not the way to behave. That is not the way to operate. And you could have fully understand why they would no longer be a member of the team. But you see, when we're in the team of God, I cannot be focusing on, on other people. Well, I don't like the way they talk. I don't like the way they wear their hair. I don't like the way they dress. I don't like the way they behave in church. I don't like the way that they, whatever it might be. The enemy is getting us to focus on something about them that we just don't like or we see as inferior. And the more he can stir, can stir that up and get me to go after this, the less I will be able to embrace the mind of God. Don't let him stir this up in you. Stay against it. Stand against it. Paul is writing these things to these these folks. Some of them have been victims of this type of of behavior. That people who were in the Jewish, uh, Jewish group, nope, nope, we're not accepting you. They have been the recipient of that. And when you become the recipient of this, it is very easy to say, I am going to do this to others. And Paul is saying, nope, don't do it. Do not embrace that mentality. I don't care if you have been ostracized by others. Do not get into that place where you do this because you are not embracing the mind of God. And if you won't embrace the mind of God here, you won't be able to embrace the things that really matter for you and the things that you really need to have. Do not embrace these things. Stay away from that kind of a division. If Jesus Christ could take the barrier that was between God and man and abolish it, then when we do the works of Christ, how much more should we abolish those divisions that are down here on the earth? How much more should we abolish those divisions that are in the family of God? The Word of God says, always think the best of people. One of the places He will try and get you to start to, not, to, to, to be divided is you begin to look at something that someone does and judge them for it. You look at what somebody has done and say, well, they shouldn't. They ought not. They're inferior. They ought to be this. This is why they're having problems in their life because they're not walking in these things. That is not inspired by God. And you are not embracing the mind of God. And the more that I embrace that alien mentality, the less I will be able to embrace embrace all these things that he has talked about. Remember what came before this scripture was the prayer that he prayed for them. That they would grow in all those things. That all that stuff would be, be coming about in there. back in chapter 1. He prayed for them to have these things. I want you to have the mind of Christ. I want you to be able to embrace the wisdom, the knowledge, the understanding. of. I want you to be able to grab hold of these things from God. But he says, you've got to make sure that you live this way. I can be praying these things all we want to, but if you're not living in this kind of way, you won't be receptive to when they come. Father, we thank you for your word. I thank you that this is a way that we can live. The world does not live this way. And we look around and we see how much division is all around, how much people are focused on divisions, how much people are focused on one thing and shun people because of that one thing. We may think it's just not possible. But with God, all things are possible. And since Jesus did it with the greatest barrier that ever could be between God and man, how much more can we, through the works of Jesus, abolish those things? Thank you for it, and we give you the praise. In Jesus' name, amen.